Welcome to the Ink Feather Podcast. We bring you fun and new insights into the world of fantasy and science fiction publishing. Here you'll find interviews with the authors you love, insight from industry professionals, book reviews both succinct and extensive, and more. I'm your host and the founder of Ink Feather Book Reviews, Lauren Zurchin. Episode 5 is part of our throwback interviews where we revisit interviews from years past. This was recorded with Mike McCauley for Litherist.com and features author James Dashner from San Diego Comic-Con 2013. We discuss both his Maze Runner series as well as his then-upcoming book, Eye of Minds. Also, don't forget to enter for a chance to win a set of the Maze Runner books, the link for which is included in the podcast info. Hi, Litherists. This is Lauren Zurchin uh, coming to you from San Diego Comic-Con 2013, and I'm sitting down with... Mike McCauley. And... James Dashner. James Dashner, New York Times bestselling author. We interviewed him last year here at Comic-Con. It was an awesome interview. We uh, were lucky enough to get him to sit down today. We are going to tag team him between Mike and I about his new book coming out, the final uh, books and his series and the prequel of the Maze Runner series, and the new book that he has coming out this fall. So, hi, James. Thanks for Hello. being here. I am thrilled to be here. You forgot the movie. We're going to touch on the movie. I did say movie, didn't I? It's a new book twice. You can't say it too often. <laughs> All right, There's new movie. A movie coming out. <laughs> new movie, movie in the spring, movie in the spring. Okay. Um, yes, we're going to talk about the Maze Runner movie for sure. That's actually one of the biggest things we want to talk about today. But um, so, for those who are have been living under a rock and are unfamiliar with your work, um, just give us a brief summary of um, just the series and kind of the premise that the, ser- the Maze Runner series is about. Maze Runner is set in the future. And it's a dystopian, post-apocalyptic story. Uh, The main character, Thomas, wakes up in this very bizarre place with his memory wiped. He's with all these other boys who call themselves Gladers. And they literally live inside a giant maze. And that's where the story starts. And piece by piece, layer by layer, he starts realizing the truth of why they're there and why they're trying to escape. And uh, it, the scope of it really grows as you read throughout the books. It really does. And, you know, at, literally as I'm sitting here, right before we started this interview, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm really going to talk about the details in the end of the series, but I'm actually going to change that. I'm gonna, we're going to be a little more, less spoiler because the movie's coming out, and I'm sure you have a lot of new fans, mm-hmm. and I don't want to ruin the cool things that happen. Um, but I will say, um, how I want to ask you, how was it... Um, as you developed the overarching plot that ended up being, that brought us basically to the conclusion of the series. So this is more for people who've read the books and who, like me, at the very end, the very last thing that happens, the kind of light at the end of the tunnel of this world mm-hmm. um, you were building, you had that all plotted out, but how how was the journey getting there? Was it how you expected it to be? Was it a little bit uh, more rabbit traily? Well, you know, it's... it's uh... I always had a general vision for the series, and I had a vague vision of uh, what the books would be about, the main plot lines, where it ends. Um, I knew about certain character deaths, others I did not know about. Mm. So it was a mixture of going along the path that I had set previously. There's also a lot of changes, a lot of inspiration a lot of decisions made with my agent and my editor mm-hmm. to make it better. And the final, you know, the final scene, the final resolution 
is something that we were all just really proud of. We felt like it was the only way mm -hmm. the series could end. And it's so funny because reading that, looking back from the start and just seeing how the progression of everything went, it was it was really interesting to kind of chew on the, the progress and the, the process of getting to that point. Cool. Um, you you just commented on the unexpected deaths and expected deaths. You had some pretty, you had some zingers in the series, especially in the yeah. third book. You got me pretty good when I, I think, and those who read will know which one I'm talking about. Um, it, it um, you know, was that hard to do? Yes, it's... Uh, you need to follow these characters, I don't know right? why, the, you know, this series was, it's just a tough story. Um, I don't think it would have been genuine mm. without all the deaths it had. And I'm glad that George R.R. R. Martin seems a lot worse than me. Just decapitates everybody At least I don't kill everybody. <laughs> no, but uh, it's... The death, I know that you were just referring to in the third book... It's just very emotional because one of there's the a connection there. Most difficult scenes I've written, but it's also one of the things that um, there may have been some changes on on details, but I knew that that death was going to happen. And mm, so you kind of had that in your mind. It, it was just it was so inter integral to the the virus and the experiment. Mm. You know, every experiment has control subjects to make the experiment legitimate mm -hmm. and uh, it was just in the scene that where it actually happens we are so good at speaking vaguely about this i mean we're like virus and like virus but, <laughs> but 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 those who read are going to be raptured because it's such a powerful scene it, it, it just broke, and it, it broke my heart that situation that the main character is put into he's not the one who dies i think it's pretty obvious he makes it to the end uh, but that scene, I can't imagine too many things that would be more awful to be put through mm. than to have to do what he did. But even even him having to cope, I think, in, in earlier in the series about, you know, the, you know, killing to save your own life and are these still people and where do you draw that boundary? Because they were, they had a family, they had lives, they, you know, now they're just, in a way, empty shells. But it's still, you're taking a life, you know, mm -hmm. and just the... The, the, you, you deal with that really well with his, you know, Thomas's internal struggle with that. Well, thank you. You're and welcome. I think it's, it's a, an example of the bigger picture. I mean, a lot of themes came out of this series without, I mean, just naturally. You know, it's not like I sat down and had a list of themes I mm -hmm. wanted to make a series about. But one is just, you know, when, do the, uh, when does the end justify the means? So the things that are being done to the gladers, people in the maze, um, at first it's very easy to think, oh, the people doing this to them are extremely evil, and they just run around cackling with evil laughs because they're evil. <laughs> well, and even be, even the wicked, you know, like you have, Yeah, like, well, that's who I'm talking about. That's, but I mean, yeah. the way you even named it. Oh, yeah. Like, you, know, like, name, so you think from the beginning, as a reader, all these are just the bad guys, so... Yeah, people don't realize how intentional and ironic the name is. It wasn't like... I mean, it's it's so obvious that it has like the opposite effect of you know why in the world would they actually call it wicked? But uh, by the end, my hope is that the readers will actually put themselves in the shoes of wicked and say, "Yes, I might have actually done what they did." Empathy. You know, I've always I love this example of um, you know, there's a lot of variations on the story where if you could save 
an entire town mm -hmm. by killing a child or putting the child in the closet or abusing, you know, is it okay to hurt one child to save hundreds or thousands or millions of people? Where, where do you draw it's that hard line? To, it's not black and white. Yeah, it really isn't. And you're right, maybe, maybe not for one or two or even ten, but a million? Yeah. You know, but that child's life still has value, so. Okay, so before we move on to the movie, I want to just touch on the prequel. The prequel wrenched me. It was so well done. Oh, my goodness. I mean, your writing wow, has grown. You. I loved the first one, but the the prequel just getting inside, seeing where things started and being inside the heads of these characters that were experiencing it firsthand, way more firsthand, literally firsthand, than, than the, the Gladers are. Mm -hmm. it, it just gave me a whole new perspective to the world. And, and did you know you were going to do the prequel when you wrote the series? Well, yeah. When a uh, long time ago, when we were just doing Maze Runner, it was just the type of story that, to me, lended itself really well to a prequel. Because mm -hmm. it's just all this mysterious stuff. I thought, I'm going to do a prequel someday. It wasn't quite what I expected when we pulled the trigger and did it. Mm -hmm. I thought the prequel would actually be about Thomas and Teresa. And I think we talked about that last year because yeah. that's what everybody was expecting, like how right before where the maze stuff starts. Yeah, but very wisely my editor and agent agreed and felt that we should go back farther and tell things that they truly knew nothing about. And I've just been blown away by how many people have said that it's they think it's the best book of the series. I actually think so too. I mean, It thrills I, me. I, I didn't expect that, but... Uh, if you're not growing as a writer, then yeah. something's wrong. So. It, it definitely, I mean, they've all captivated me, and I enjoyed the story arc in the three immensely, but there was just something about that. Now, I saw you did a Random House Twitter thing not that long ago where you revealed that the little girl was oh, yeah. Teresa. Mm -hmm. So, um, which, you know, she has a different name in the story, and she's a kid, and you, you know, you've wondered the whole time, but, you know, it, that is the nice link to see how she is able, you know, like these people have sacrifices, I guess we should say, that mm -hmm. they do to help her get to where she needs to be. Um, yeah, that that was... I struggled for a while with, okay, how am I going to create this really bleak story but have some kind of hopeful, yeah. as small as it might be, ending? And uh, it just really worked for me. I, just, I really loved how it all came together. Mm -hmm. And there is a... I wrote a complete chapter that serves as an epilogue where that is revealed very clearly. Mm. And it was sort of a bonus thing I did, but when the paperback comes out, it'll be included as part oh, of the book. cool. So it'll be like a little, just even a little more. Yeah, it's a really cool chapter. It actually jumps ahead to a scene before the maze with Thomas and Teresa. So almost like what you were initially thinking for the prequel, but just a yeah. little, little it's, mini. It's basically, like, because the prologue is a scene with Thomas and Teresa. And this epilogue is a another scene with Thomas and Teresa yeah. that kind of bridges, you know, the, the series and the prequel together, yeah. and reveals more about who Dee Dee is. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm kind the of last, to read it. I love the. I mean, the last scene of it's that. It's stupid book? when you say you love something you wrote, but you yourself wrote. But uh, the last line of the epilogue that will be in the paperback is one of my. Favorite lines. Really? Yeah. Good. Keep your eyes peeled, people, for this. It sounds kind of awesome. When does that come out? The paperback will come out in January, I think. 
Okay, so nice treat for right after Christmas. Early, uh, early 2014. So all the people can go use their gift certificates. Their gift certificates. That's actually a great idea. Um, okay, so let's talk about this thing happening in your life right now. That is the movie. The movie. Yep. Which has basically exploded into this whole world of awesomeness. Um, yeah, way beyond my hopes or expectations. So last year at Comic-Con, you must have known that all oh, this was brewing then. It was brewing. Um, it wasn't really till August last year that that's when they chose the director, Wes Ball. Yes. That's when it really started rolling. Because, um, you know, like three years ago it was rolling and there was a director and a screenplay and it just kind of stalled a little bit for a billion different reasons. Yeah. And so last August, when it really got rolling again with Wes, whose vision is just amazing. I mean, it's like he lives inside my head. Really? Um, it's been very exciting since then. Huh. Especially, I mean, with every passing month, it just became more and more real. And uh, Well, and you, you've just been to the set, and... At the Random House booth here at Comic-Con, they're giving out little postcards of photos of all the Gladers, and mm -hmm. it's neat to see it visually, you know, and you've been tweeting. You should follow James on Twitter. He's always tweeting cool stuff. Yes, um, follow me on Twitter. Um, What's your Twitter handle? It's very easy. It's James Dashner. That's difficult. Yeah, that's his <laughs> name. Yeah, it's um, it's been really cool to kind of follow this journey with you as a, as a fan of this series and just see, you know, how it's kind of exploded. Are you pleased with the overall product? I could not possibly be more pleased. Really? It is. That's a big statement. Yeah, that, it that's... is absolutely fantastic. Like, if you have a book that's being made into a movie, you have hopes. Mm -hmm. And you also have expectations. And usually your hopes are bigger than your expectations. So I had giant hopes, slightly tempered expectations. Uh, but... Everything I've seen, I've been to the set twice, I've met all the actors, I've spent a lot of time with the producer and the director, hmm. and culminating, at least as of this point, with the footage they've shown me, uh, it has far exceeded even yeah. my hopes, much less my expectations. So now it, that, That's not always a, a common thing with, with book-to-movie well, yeah. Absolutely, it's rare. Yeah. I just am incredibly lucky that Wes... Not only does he get it, he gets the book, he gets the vision of it. He has the same visual, um, you know, just the way he sees it is how I see it. That's huge because it's really bringing your image to life. Because everybody obviously read when you read, your mind does different things. So to actually find someone who's bringing it to visual life to sync up with you mentally, that's pretty cool. And his passion for staying true to the spirit of it and the tone of it. Yeah. And I mean, all even the minor characters are in the movie. All the major scenes, you know, there's things that have to change. As always, yes. Or some things just do not transition to the cinema. But it's just unbelievable hmm. the things they're doing, and I think it's going to be just awesome. Now, last year when we interviewed, I, I talked to you about your creep factors in your books. You have a really... You've got creepy vibes in these books. You've weird <laughs> things happening. There was some, it's like rolling metal heads in book two, and like you're hiding in the vines in book one. I mean, freaky stuff. Book. I mean, very few books get me, and I'm like, this is freaking me out. I mean, do you feel like the movie's going to capture the spirit of that too? Because you said everything's dark, but there's some really freaky stuff in your books. The 
movie takes it up a notch. Oh, man, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> I really, I honestly think the movie is going to appeal to, extremely to the fans of the book. Yeah. It's going to appeal to general audiences in just terms of being a, a really fun, uh, mysteri mysterious adventure type movie. But it has some true like horror movie elements. Like the They're going to bring in the people who want to see a scary movie. Because there's, I mean, they're disturbing things that you've created. The Grievers are The Grievers bit, are kind of spectacular and terrifying. Oh my gosh, and Wes awesome. is adamant he will not reveal even a picture of it until the movie oh, comes out. That's wonderful. So people are, there it is, just freaking them out. So they're going to keep feeding everybody with all kinds of images, all kinds of footage, you know, throughout the year, trailers. But there will still be something saved for the actual experience of going to the movie that I think will be the the highlight. So that's so even in the the official trailers there will be, be no wow. That's, I like that. That's a that's a good way to to handle it. That's something I think everyone's really curious to see how they nail it's it. It's dangerous if it could be a letdown, but there is no possible human way that the grievers will let down anyone. They are amazing. <laughs> so great. They are beyond. I mean, they're like the vision and the and the feel of what they are in the book times a thousand. To turn it into more of a cinematic, extremely visual, extremely, uh, you know, the, the sound and audio of it, mm -hmm. it's going to blow people away. Now that I've really raised the expectations, we'll see what happens. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. So what, if you're able to say, what sort of uh, input did you have in the whole process behind the movie? You know, I am extraordinarily lucky because by their own choice, um, Fox... You know, the producers, Gotham Group, who's also uh, producing the film with Fox, uh, the director, they have all wanted me to be involved and feel part of the family, and feel part of the process. So pretty soon after they brought on Wes to direct it, we had a conference call, and then Wes and I started talking individually, and he and I have emailed back and forth. They had me read the script. I gave them five pages of feedback. Um, wow. they, they brought me out to the set to tour everything before they started filming. And then they brought me back towards the end of filming. Um, it's just been... They could have gotten away with just ignoring me, to be mm -hmm. honest. But I don't think anyone thinks that would have been the best route to go because I'm the creator yeah. of it. Why not have my input? Right? Exactly. Except why change what's already working? It, one of my favorite things over... The last year has just been, you know, one o'clock in the morning, I'll just be going to bed or something, and suddenly I get this email from Wes, because he's just, I mean, this has been a 24-hour-a-day thing for him, and he'll just ask me some random question about the book and how I, you know, think it should be interpreted in the movie. I think that's an awesome sign. I mean, yeah. that's a, I've been let down by book-to-movie adaptations before, and you can usually see why. Uh, I mean, it's usually apparent that the the vision just clashed way too much with the original vision or just a lack of, you know, care or passion. And so mm -hmm. to hear about that passion from the get-go, that's, that's good. That's great. The Wick Godfrey, who's the producer, one of the producers, he told me that uh, they worked it out that, Wet, that Wes had a weekend off toward the end of shooting. I mean, he had worked wow. seven days a week. He had a weekend off, and he spent the entire weekend... Uh, cutting and editing and, and putting together some footage uh, that they ended up showing to this this group of foreign uh, theater owners. 
So even on his weekends off, he was still. He's just. This movie is, you know, it's his first major film, and he's got all this buzz about being, you know, visionary and and being the next big thing. So how wonderful that you've taken this journey. It's your first film of your books, and it was your first. Yeah, Wes and I just kind of. He and I have that connection. Yeah, Uh, we bonded over it. Um, It's great. I feel like he's become a really good friend, and I'm rooting for him. He's rooting for me. And the cast, oh my, we could talk about the cast for hours. I mean, they're just... You nailed it. Fantastic. Hmm. And you're happy with them completely. I mean, I've, I've seen your, your tweets, I've seen your comments, you seem thrilled. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, sometimes you say say, th- say things so often and so much that you're like, does anyone even believe I believe me anymore? Am I being genuine? But hmm. all I can do is be honest. There is not one casting decision, there's not one person on, in the cast that I even slightly disagree with. And they all seem so stoked about it, too. They're all tweeting about it, and we're excited to share set pictures and just Mm -hmm. the vibe of the books. And, you know, it's been really neat to see this community process happening. Yeah, and, you know, we did our first Twitter chat a week or so ago with the whole cast, the director, producer, and myself. And, you know, we kind of half-jokingly said, oh, maybe we would trend, you know, uh, globally. So within like four minutes of starting, we were already trending globally. Wow. And we trended for like four or five hours. Wow. And so, I just, I don't know, I just have this feeling that it's going to be a a special movie. It sounds, I mean, again, passion I think is so important. And when you have it everywhere, is just, I mean, from you to... To West, to your old cast. I was reading the, the Twitter chat, and I was like, "This is this is a, a group of people who actually are excited." Because I mean, you, you, I'm sure we've all seen movies where it's apparent that people took the job for the money, and oh yeah, you know, their passion's not there, their heart's not there, and that shows in the product. So mm-hmm. awesome. Well, that's very exciting. I think before we finish this up, though, we need to talk about the whole new shift your writing life has taken. Um, new stuff coming. Oh, yeah. Very exciting. Whole new world, whole, you know, new series. So uh, tell us about the new book. Yeah, I, I am thrilled about this. Uh, the first book's called The Eye of Minds. It's a new series called The Mortality Doctrine. That's a cool name. Which, uh, it's, the first idea for this thing actually happened way before Maze Runner. I was a huge fan of the Matrix movies. And when I saw those movies, from the very first one through all three of them, there was this twist that I thought was going to happen. And I kept waiting for it. I was like, I'm so smart. I predicted what's going to happen. And by the end of the third movie, it still had not happened. So that stuck in my head for over ten years. Hmm. And um, and that's that was the first core premise of the book. So it's it's a lot of matrixy type stuff with the virtual reality world, artificial intelligence, and then another heavy influence was uh, the movie Inception, hmm. which is one of my favorites. Just this concept of a dream within a dream within a dream is it's almost eerie how much it fascinates me, because when you are dreaming, it feels real. We've all had that experience. So when you wake up, then it feels like you're in the real world. Well, so did it when you were dreaming. So you could wake up and then 10 minutes later, wake up again. 
<laughs> and then 10 minutes later wake up again it's it's never going to stop you always feel like it's real and so that and that's played a lot perfect. within inception because they have dreams yeah. within dreams um so i applied that to this virtual reality world where it's so advanced so realistic that they're like when you come out of the virtual reality world how do you know you've really come out of it if everything mm. seems real mm. and then if you came out of it again how would you Still, how would you know? Which one's real, which one isn't? So once you've blurred that line of what's real and what's not real, you've just set up this premise where things can get really trippy and confusing and uh, scary. And so I've had a lot of fun with playing with that, and it's I'm really proud of the book. I think it has some fantastic uh, twists that people won't see coming. And it'll be fun for people to reread the book to see what they missed. Oh, um, that's cool idea. Which I shouldn't even say that because now they're going to be looking for stuff. Well, but you know, you get <laughs> it so more fun though. But you get yeah. so immersed in this part that you might not be aware, and then you go, "Oh!" and then you pick up more. Absolutely. I, love, I like a book or a show that you can get just as much out of it on the second read as you yeah. can for the first read. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, um, I, and I think this book, you know, it may be the only book that in, for that specific thing that in that sense. This book will be perfect for that. It'll. That it's great. just a. Uh, we worked really, really hard to structure it. Um, my agent and my editor helped me a lot to just really fine tune this thing. And you know, people won't know what I'm talking about until they read it. But um, it's. I'm really proud of it. I think people are gonna like it. That's awesome. So Is you, it? you, were clearly inspired by some movies, but. Are you into video games at all? Well, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this. I mean, I do love video games. I'm not obsessed with it or anything. But for me, the influence for this book actually came more from more of the, uh, the gaming industry in terms of, like, Dungeons and & Dragons and Magic and Warhammer. I feel like that culture of gaming is much more immersive, you know, because to me, the gaming in this book is not like Gears of War or Halo where you're just going to run around shooting people. It's much more about actually living this. It, it becomes real to you. One of the most popular games in the book is actually mimicking real life and the problems of real life. And uh, so it's been fun for me because I'm very familiar with the, the gaming industry that's outside video games, like Dungeons, Dragons, that sort of stuff. So it's that culture that I brought into this virtual reality world, and that's what I feel like the book is more representative of. I mean, when I was reading it, I grew up playing MMORPGs, so mm -hmm. you know, World of Warcraft is oh, the one yeah. that probably comes to most everybody's mind, and, and the idea that a lot of people play those games because they're either unhappy with their own life and they want to sort of make a character where they can remove themselves from themselves and be something else, and I did get a sense of that in, in this story, and that you know, it's it's maybe well. Your main character, Michael, is is happier in this virtual reality than he is in in his own real actual yeah. world. And world of World of Warcraft, you're right, is a perfect example that I think bridges those two things I was talking about: the the people who love Halo and Gears of War, and the people who love Dungeons and Dragons. That's kind of the middle ground. Mm -hmm. It's both, um, and that's that is really what the book's trying. That's the type of gaming book is and you're exactly right it's 
people when they have to wake up and go to work, it's mundane. They want to get back into the coffin, go into the bird net. But it's funny because <laughs> the things that in some cases they're doing in the bird net is is the same thing that you or I would do, you know, in real life. And it's just I like that you were able to separate these worlds, but at the same time, almost have two functioning worlds that mm-hmm. could be the same thing. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I lo- there's a there's a thing he says in the book where, you know, he's played. He talks about his experiences. He's he's a very skilled gamer, and he's like, you know, I've done the, I've been fighting aliens. I've fought dragons. I've you know fought in wars, but nothing as fun as you know dirty, gritty. Uh, get your, get your, you know, get down the dirt, real life, and you know this opening scene, which many people have already read online. Um, his mission is to talk a girl out of committing suicide off the Golden Gate Bridge, which to me was just fascinating because it, it's there's nothing fantasy about it. It's a real life situation that could happen, but it's also something that most of us would never have to experience. Mm-hmm. So it's that's online. That's available on your site, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, the first three chapters are now available online. And see, I had read them uh, a while ago before I got my hands on a copy of the book. And so I had, I have, I'm goldfish brain, I forget, you know. And <laughs> so it was, it was like reading it all over again when I picked the book up. And it was great. And that hooked me instantly. I mean, I know, you know, you're supposed to be hooked at the start of a book. But that scene was just so intense. And, I mean, the, 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 coding her chip out was just bizarre and <laughs> real but at the same time just not real and, mm-hmm. and insane and i it was like two in the morning i couldn't sleep i'm like i'm gonna read a chapter or two you know get tired pick this up tomorrow and three hits and then four hits and i'm like i hate this man stop, <laughs> stop writing good, good yeah, stuff that's please. the best though when you're like that's good when yes. you're like oh i just i need something to help me get to sleep you don't yeah. you don't want to be that guy you want to be the guy that keeps someone up yeah. when, so. and i haven't had a book like that in a while. Like I, like I said, I will pick a book up to fall asleep, and not not that I was expecting your book yeah. to be boring. Just I, no, I know. wanted I know. to read the we book. All so, do that, I think. and uh, but it, I think it's a testament to the fact that you were able to not only hook me at the start, but continue hooking me. Fantastic! Uh, it's good to hear. It was great, and um, yeah, I mean, I I think it's cool that uh, I'm able to draw a one connection to it where you were inspired by completely separate stuff. So you could take a lot people, fans of all kinds of stuff. Can, if you're a matrix fan, if you're a gamer, if you're a D and D player, I mean, that that's cool too, that you can find all that different kind of stuff in this. Yeah. I think it'll have, if anything, an even wider appealing or a wider audience than Maze Runner. Is it a series? It is all, it's a trilogy. Um, and it's not just a trilogy to be a trilogy. It, it made sense. It's a very three-act type of story. And I've already actually written the second book. So, cool. And the third one's all mapped out. So Excellent. They'll come out you know, this fall, next fall, and the fall after that. That's wonderful. Do you know the exact release date for, for listeners? Yeah, the first one comes out October 8th. Okay. Not too much longer. 2013, unless 2013. you're... In case you're listening to this in another time. <laughs> in, in, I mean, it is very different from The Maze Runner. And I mean, was it was it something that you were excited to to jump into, or I mean, you had it floating around in your head before the Maze Runner, you said? Yeah, so the, yeah. just the basic idea. Okay. Yes, it was very liberating and exhilarating to do something completely new. Uh, it was bittersweet to leave Maze Runner behind, but um, 
Although I absolutely believe it's for the same audience that any, you know, anyone who likes Maze Runner will like The Eye of Mines. It is also, you know, a very different story. So I think that's, you know, I didn't want to write another post-apocalyptic or dystopian. I wanted it to at least be something that's a totally new direction. Well, I'm sure as a writer you need to be, keep it interesting for yourself. And yeah. you've lived in that kind of heavy world for a while and you need something else different. So um, I think we're out of time. We've been talking for about a half an hour. Let me ask one more question. Okay. One more question. One more. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, Another theme in the book is is coding and hacking and this concept Mm -hmm. that when they're in the VertNet, in this virtual world, if you have the know-how to code things, like, you know, they are coding food for themselves. And Mm -hmm. are you, like, into coding, or is that just something that you've always kind of admired from afar and you thought it was a cool concept that added to them? It's it's a definite tribute and also from experience with my dad. My dad was a computer programmer. Okay. Um, We always called him the computer dude. (laughs) We had a TRS-80, which I'm sure half of 1% of my audience knows. That's (laughs) awesome. But I mean, I mean, I, he used to teach me how to do the, you know, the stupid programs on that thing where you could make your name repeat on the screen. And, you know, this is back in the '80s. That's how old I am. But um, so I grew up with a computer programmer, in that, just that, uh, that concept of, of type, you know, however you do it, typing things in or visually, putting things together, to create something else. And the fact that, all computers come down to zeros and ones mm-hmm. it's nifty we'll never will never cease to fascinate me mm-hmm. so yeah i wanted coding to be a part i didn't want them just to be good gamers i wanted them to be good at the core programming behind the gaming and behind the actual structure of the vertnet itself i liked i mean early on in the book there's a scene where well you know you wrote it but for the listeners there's a scene where they're trying to get into a club to get some information out of someone and and they need to figure out how to get around the bouncers. And so I like that their immediate go-to is, let's let's code, let's hack this, and, mm-hmm. and you know hold it over these these guys' heads. And I I just I it adds a lot. I thought it was a really cool. I mean, because there is there is a game, but then you it starts making you think of what's behind all of this. And yeah, I, what can you change if you if you have the know-how or if you're creative enough? Even I mean, it comes down to creativity. And, and I thought that was a really cool concept. Cool. And that's being that scene uh, specifically. Originally, I was just going to say, okay, they're going to they're going to hack like a hole into this building, this you know virtual building. But I was like, it'd be cool if I actually took a twist on that, and they're like, okay, the the firewalls of this place are just ridiculous. Uh, we could probably hack into it, but it would take forever. So let's actually go a different route and hack into the bouncers themselves and, like, steal things that could embarrass them or get them in trouble and, you know, uh, bribe them. And, I mean, it's just... I really try to show the way they think and how, um, you know, tech-savvy, but also you know, how much common sense they have. And I mean, they're pretty uh, formidable people when they're yeah, inside, the, yeah. inside the vernet. Yeah. This is such a cool concept, this book. I, I really hope that it's it just takes off, because it sounds like there's so many things in it that are, you know, it's so different, and you're going to have to answer me that, other I was books. just going to say different, and yeah. I like that. But it's, it's going to feel, it has this kind of fresh, even though, you know, virtual stuff is out in the world, it just, mm-hmm. you know, the premises you have sounds really, well, thank you. really fresh. I think it's you know, we're 
you know, the Maze Runner was a slow build and, and, and uh, built you, its You got it. there. So, and I, but I think I have minds will, I have every confidence that it will build and find its audience. And, you know, luckily I have the Maze Runner fans to, mm -hmm. to jumpstart it. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens. Any last things you want to say? Just uh, shout out to my Dashner Army, my fans. I love them. We are a family, and uh, we're looking forward to the movie and the new book. And then your last name would become its own like epic <laughs> thing, the Dashner Army. Yeah, you know, it's probably a little presumptuous, but that's what we ended up calling it. So that's what we're <laughs> I think it's awesome. It is awesome. It encompasses all your work, not just one thing. Yeah. So. yeah. All right, James, well, thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, and this was us coming to you from Comic-Con 2013. Bye. Thank you.